Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Thursday, February 1st. I'm Jonathan All. Even with a decline in crime rates and homicides over the last four years, some St. Louisans feel public safety officials are too quick to take credit. But I kept saying the same prayer over and over, and I kept saying that he shall live and not die. Precious Jones, who still grieves, lost a son to gun violence more than a year ago. Hear her story coming up on The Gateway. The Missouri House passed legislation yesterday that establishes an open enrollment program for the state's public schools. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, the legislation would allow students to enroll in public school districts they do not reside in. School districts would be able to choose whether to accept non-resident students. They can also set the number of students they would be willing to enroll. However, school districts would not be able to opt out of students leaving their district. The bill does allow schools to restrict the number of outgoing students to 3% of the previous school year's enrollment. Representative Maggie Nurenburn, a Democrat from Kansas City, worried how this bill would affect smaller rural school districts. Open enrollment will leave small school rural districts fighting for their lives against larger rural districts that have more resources, and it will lead to district consolidation. The bill now goes to the Senate, where it has died in previous sessions. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. More victims have come forward alleging a former North County Police Cooperative officer sexually abused them, and yesterday a grand jury added to the indictments against him. Marcellus Blackwell is now accused of assaulting 19 men he arrested or detained during his one-year tenure on the force and faces 36 federal charges. Blackwell was initially charged in June and more indictments came as the investigation continued. Blackwell is currently being held without bail awaiting trial. The FBI has set up a hotline for more victims to come forward. The fight to keep Donald Trump off of Illinois' ballots is now headed to court. A group of Illinois residents filed suit in Cook County yesterday to block the former president from appearing on the ballot. This comes after the State Board of Elections ruled to keep the former president on the March ballot. The group who filed the case argued Trump's role during the January 6th attacks on the Capitol amounts to an insurrection and should disqualify him from running. Meanwhile, the U.S. Supreme Court is scheduled to hear arguments next week in a similar challenge from Colorado. St. Louis preservationists are celebrating a plan by the Kranzberg Arts Foundation to purchase two historic Olive Street buildings that St. Louis University had planned to demolish. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, people who fought to keep the buildings say the decision will strengthen the Midtown neighborhood. Both buildings are more than a century old and sit near the border of Mill Creek Valley, the historic African-American neighborhood that was raised in 1959. The university had planned to demolish the buildings if they weren't purchased. Kranzberg leaders plan to use the buildings for arts programming. Andrew Weil is executive director of the Landmarks Association of St. Louis, which is assisting the Kranzberg's efforts. He says preserving the buildings will also help build up the area. That area doesn't need more vacant lots. It needs more reactivated buildings. Um, so that's, that's what our ultimate goal was. Kranzberg leaders hope to start renovation efforts later this year. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. The Missouri History Museum will celebrate the beginning of Black History Month today with a trunk show featuring local designers and a panel discussion about black fashion in St. Louis. 
St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. Entrepreneur A.K. Brown says St. Louis's black fashion scene is thriving and building upon the region's legacy as a pillar of the fashion industry. Several popular black designers and business leaders currently run companies in the city. Brown will be a panelist at the History Museum event. She says events like it encourage regional black designers to stay in St. Louis and help elevate their brands to more consumers. I think if anything, we just need to work on the visibility to really show what we have done in the past and what we're continuing to contribute to our current industry and the future. Brown says supporting emerging black designers in the area is crucial for the health of St. Louis's fashion scene. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Despite a drop in crime rates and homicides the last four years, some St. Louis residents feel public safety officials shouldn't be hasty to take credit. St. Louis Public Radio's Lucretia Wembley spoke with one woman still grieving more than a year after losing her son to gun violence. 20-year-old Preston Jones grew up in the St. Louis region. He was a handsome fellow and the life of the party, according to his mother, Precious. He had considered becoming a homicide detective at one point, but ultimately dreamed of being an actor. He was most serious about escaping the violence that surrounded him and his friends in the Hazelwood community. You gonna make it out of St. Louis by the You gonna die What he said was, if you don't make it out of St. Louis by the summer, you gonna die here, for real. This was from a grainy video of Preston that his mother found in his phone a year ago. He was asleep at home in Hazelwood on June 17, 2022, when a bullet came through his window and killed him. She and her three sons were in the process of moving to Texas in an attempt to escape the violence. I just started praying and praying and praying. So I prayed from the time I you know, got in the car to the scene. But I kept saying the same prayer over and over. And I kept saying that he shall live and not die. The Hazelwood Police Department were already at the scene when she got there, but Precious says police lacked compassion and ended up arresting her other two boys for allegedly having warrants and refusing to share evidence. He kicks my son as he's putting my son in the car, and he's laughing, and they're all laughing because it's funny to them, but it's not funny to us, and it's not funny to me. I knew that they were not going to handle this case with integrity. When asked about it, Hazelwood police stopped short of addressing all of Precious's claims. Police say they believe she is merely upset that they haven't been able to solve her son's murder. But she's not alone in her criticisms. Media and other community groups in recent years have spotlighted police in the region for covering up their shortcomings and for having a lack of transparency. Precious was among dozens of community members who voiced their concerns during a town hall at the Urban League last month, including Inez Bordeaux, manager of community collaborations for the Arch City Defenders. We just sat here and watched him less than an hour ago lie and say that there are only 650 people inside of CJC, where we know for a fact that is not true. So while we're talking about listening and working, let's do that. But we have to start from a place of honesty. Absolutely. Bordeaux called out public safety director Charles Coyle for his report on jail deaths last month. Despite criticism, police reported having a 75% homicide clearance rate at the start of this year. It's been over a year since her son's death, and Precious says she still hasn't received a copy of his autopsy report. She says she's been given the runaround by police and other city officials. A request by St. Louis Public Radio for a copy of the report is still pending. 
Arch City Defenders Executive Director Blake Strode says this isn't anything new. And most people either don't have the time, don't have the resources, don't have the know-how, or simply don't have the power to actually be able to, to force them to provide the kind of information that they really should be entitled to. He says it would be more simple if people actually cared. Most people in positions of power don't see these things as real problems. Or if they do, they don't act as if they see these things as real problems. After Preston's death, Precious created the Breaking Generational Poverty Foundation, a nonprofit that connects families with financial resources while navigating the justice system or after losing someone to gun violence. She specified that she doesn't hate police, but wishes there was more morality in the way they handle people. We have to stick together as a community, and even if we have differences with one another, we have to put those differences to the side for the betterment of the community because we are going to have generations of kids growing up with our parents. Precious says helping other women and families navigate the effects of gun violence is helping her cope with her own loss. I'm Lucretia Wembley, St. Louis Public Radio. Brian Heffernan and I both edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Dalt Fur. We are a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Jonathan All, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.